the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're in studio with author Jesse Cruikshank talking about ordinary discipleship. And later, it wasn't all bad. We have some good news for you. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we are thrilled because we have a friend in studio, a very special guest, Jessie Cruikshank. She is the author of a brand new book, Ordinary Discipleship, How God Wires Us for the Adventure of Transformation. I have read this book. I have endorsed this book. I love this book. And I love this woman. There you go. And so I'm so glad that she's here. Jessie, welcome to The Common Good. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be here with you guys today. It's so fun to have you. And we also, sometimes we have guests that call in and it's way more fun to have people in studio. So this well, is really I know, really I get to look at your bright and shiny faces. <laughs> yeah, we're We're, we're going to take it. We'll take it. <laughs> well, we'll just take it. I was going to push back on that, but we'll take it. Thank you for that, Brian. Okay, Jessie. Let's start for our listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work. Before we dive into your new book, Ordinary Discipleship, just tell us about yourself, who you are, what do you do? Oh my gosh, that's that's such a hard thing because <laughs> I have done a lot of things because God has a sense of humor. Mm. Mm. Um, but I am a person from the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, and um, I'm an ordained minister. I am a neuroscientist, so I call myself a neuroecclesiologist because um, it's better to just make up a title that kind of fits you than to try to fit yourself in a box. I like that. So I've been a wilderness guide, a high altitude mountaineering, rock climbing, whitewater rafting guide, and I've been in the corporate world and I've been in denominational ministry, and these days I just go where God tells me mm-hmm. to go and do what God tells me to do, and that lets me be with a bunch of my friends. That's fun. I feel yeah. like the question should have been, what don't you do? It feels like that <laughs> should have been accurate. the question. Yeah. All right. There's a lot that I want to I want to jump on there, but neuroecclesiologist. You made it up, but it sounds awesome. Please <laughs> unpack what you mean by that. So I have a um, graduate degree in neuroscience, cognitive psychology, and learning environments, which I got when I was in my 30s. <laughs> don't, don't date me. Wait, um, Jesse, I'm going to make you, I'm just going to make you brag a little bit. Can you tell the people where your degree is from? Oh my gosh, you're the worst. I know, um, I'm sorry. She would not do this if it weren't for me, just so I, everyone knows. I went to grad school at Harvard. Nice. I don't know if you've heard of it. A little school in Boston. Just a little one over there. A little school in Boston up the street from MIT, they say. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so, but I didn't study the brain there. I actually studied the brain while I was in ministry because I wanted to teach somebody something once and have them remember it with a high mm. degree of accuracy. Mm. And as a wilderness guide, training wilderness guide. So I built a wilderness school um, with a group of people. I mean, everything is done in teams, right? And so I wanted to know how to do that well. And so I started applying brain science to practice, and I had undergrad in education one of them anyway and so that quickly became a discipleship conversation because if we're mentoring students and and it's not really just their life that's at stake whether or not they can tie into the rope well or self-arrest with an ice axe like 
if I only have an hour to spend with a student, I want that to impact eternity. Mm. And so I started applying the neuroscience to the way that we discipled. Yeah. And in the process there, built a model, wrote a model of how the brain learns according Mm. to, and how to facilitate transformation according to how the brain learns. So I took that to Harvard, published that academically, presented at Harvard actually a couple times on that model in my program um, afterwards. So, but like, yeah, like that's just kind of this aside to, I want to teach the church. I want to teach ordinary people. Yeah. These things, because you know what? One conversation can change eternity. Mm. So, so I love this about your heart, Jesse, that though this is kind of your research in your academic field, I know you're someone who loves the church and loves people and, and wants to see thriving active, flourishing uh, disciples of Jesus. And so that's part of what this book is, Ordinary Discipleship. It comes out today, people, how God wires us for the adventure of transformation. Jesse, talk to us about how you took some of what you've learned as a guide in the wilderness and in your research and how you're applying it to discipleship in this book. Well, so the amazing thing is that God knows how he created us. Mm. And he created us the way he did on purpose to like actually make the things that he asks us to do a little easier. So, and and the other way of saying that is that I don't think he asks us to do things that are crazy hard for us that require us to change our personality mm. and to change our makeup. Yeah. So there's this place where biology and the Bible like reinforce each other. And, and the place where that overlaps is just the ordinary person is actually wired to be transformed Mm. and be transformed by being in relationship with other ordinary people. Like you don't have to be a spiritual superstar to make disciples. You don't have to be a spiritual superstar to impact the world for the kingdom of God. Mm. We just work with how we made us biologically or neurobiologically. We're created to change through relationship and story. And it doesn't have to be like school. Mm. It doesn't actually have to be academics where we're memorizing things and studying because not a lot of people like studying and not a lot of people learn that way. Yeah. But we do all learn through relationship and story and and narrative disciple making. It works all over the rest of the world. And I just want to share some of that. Yeah, here yeah that's awesome. With a little bit of brain science. There so you, go. you believe just, me. Just, <laughs> someday, so we believe you. <laughs> someday, someday I want to do something. I'm like, and I just threw in a little bit of brain science. Just chucked it on in there, you know? Just a little bit of brain science. You know, whatever. No big deal. You, you kind of hinted that they do this around the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Help me understand that some more. How we do it differently and maybe get it wrong. How other places are doing it. Right. So if you look at what are called disciple making movements and church planting (laughs) movements um, in other places around the world, they share stories, they share revelation and and stories, they're story based cultures. Well, that's actually not by accident. And it's not uh, it's it's not a romantic way of making disciples. It's actually how the brain is created to change. Hmm. So we have different types of long-term memory. One of them is like data that will win you, you know, awards and money on, on quiz shows. (laughs) (laughs) And that actually doesn't change your life. It's the wrong long-term memory system, but there's a a different long-term memory system called autobiographical memory. And that is your story, your memory of your story. Hmm. And it's also the only memory system that can project into the future. Mm. Like the data memory system, System is not wired to project into the future. And so when I ask you a question hmm. like, is God good? And you go, yeah. And I'm like, apply that to your life. If it's 
if it's stored in the wrong memory system, you can't actually apply it to your life. Like mm. biologically can't do it. Wow. But if you have story and experience and it's in your autobiographical memory and we learn that God is good in our autobiographical memory, we automatically apply it to our life. Like you don't even have to, you don't have to study for that quiz. Like it just <laughs> automatically happens. So this idea that if I share what heaven has taught me with you, my yeah. story changes you mm. and becomes part of your story. Mm. And that automatically changes your life. Like mm. that sounds way easier than a lot of school study. That's right. Yeah, it does. A lot of learning based discipleship that we, I think we've come to know. You must know this, 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 and this. And there's value in that, obviously. But what you're talking about is what's eternal and what will last and what will actually transform people. I love yeah. that. And what's a little easier because then when totally. I read the Bible, I'm like, oh, I get it. And it mm. makes sense. And, and it has somewhere to land that changes your life. Mm. So Brian and I are both pastors. And so we're obviously interested in how do you equip people for discipleship? So take some of what you're writing about in your new book, Ordinary Discipleship, and like train us. Give us tips. <laughs> That's easy because I wrote it to like regular people. Um, and... Because I think that we have this desire for adventure. It's, it's innate in who we are. Because every epic story of every culture follows the same kind of pattern. And that was named by a guy um, in the 50s. And he calls it the hero's journey. Mm. Right? So we're designed to like intuitively get the hero's journey. And so I just want to coach normal people to see where another person is in their hero's journey. And come alongside them as a guide and a mentor mm. and help them be changed by Jesus. That's so fantastic. I know um, part of your work is you learned how to make disciples in the wilderness. Mm, yeah. So unpack that for us. I mean, it's kind of important to learn things well in the wilderness because if you don't, you die. <laughs> and like, <laughs> at, the, at the wilderness ministry in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, we wanted to have people, you know, have a divine human encounter. Like that was important to us, mm -hmm. but death wasn't the divine human encounter we wanted. Right. <laughs> fair. So, fair. So you want success want stories kind yeah. of experience, or at least, you know, did, did anybody bleed? Okay. So that's okay. You know, were they scared? You know, absolutely. That happens all the time. Did they cry? Well, mm. everyone breaks on a 40 day. It's so trip. true. Like at some point you, you get to the end of yourself. And that was really important. We actually, wanted to facilitate getting to the end of yourself so that you could like experience God in really deep places and have a transformational experience. And so the wilderness, the expeditions that we did um, were, were life changing. And so I wanted to then also train the staff to be able to facilitate those consistently in a healthy way. And by healthy, I mean like healthy community, mm. healthy community formation. Yeah. Because you, we're designed to transform, an transform in environments of love, mm. which means we need, we need vulnerability and we need secure attachment and we need to be both gentle and brave. And it was those things that we taught the staff how to do on a consistent basis that are actually the principles that are in the, in the book. Mm. Cool. Because I want to help everybody facilitate environments of love mm. where we can be brave and be changed by Jesus. That's awesome. All I heard was 40 day trip. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, 
<laughs> That's no, all I no. heard. I know. Sometimes I think Jesse and Kevin, my husband Kevin, are like soulmates, <laughs> sisters from another mother all or whatever. I heard was 40 days. Like, she's like, oh, they bleed and cry a little bit. But, you know. You're like, nope, I'm on the beach no, in Florida. That's where my discipleship happens. Ta- Jesse, <laughs> talk to you about the word ordinary because it's usually used mm. in a bad way, right? Like, oh, I just am ordinary. I feel ordinary. Mm. But it is such a huge thing for it's us good. to grasp as Christians. So unpack yeah. that word ordinary. Well, the reason why it's ordinary is because they wouldn't let me use the word mediocre. No. <laughs> and that's not a joke. That's funny. Um, you know, I would rather see stories of faithfulness than Christian exceptionalism these mm. days because I Amen. think that faithfulness is harder to do and much more profound. Mm. I think the fruit of faithfulness changes the world while exceptionalism inspires us for a moment, mm. but it, it's not something we actually see ourselves in, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, that person's amazing, and I'm not that, right? Yeah. We, look at, he, we look at you know, people who do amazing things, and, yeah. I, and I think that's great. Like, Be who you are and who God created you to be, and yet it inspires us, but it's not something we can live into. Mm. And so ordinary, and, and, and talking about just everyday people being people who can help people others be changed by Jesus. Mm. I, that's why I use the word ordinary. And sometimes when I'm being sassy, I'll, I'll throw in the word mediocre. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it reminds us that we don't have to be amazing yeah. in, in worldly standards or, uh, I don't know, just things that are amazing. We can actually just be ourselves. Mm. And God designed discipleship to work for everyday people. Mm. If I think about Jesus standing, you know, on that Mount of Olives and he's telling everyone, you know, hey, go make disciples. He's not talking to religious superstars. He's talking to everyday people. Yeah. I just wanted to remind us of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. I think that's a word that we need in this day and age. Brian and I talk a lot of stories about some of those Christian celebrities or influencers or what have you, and God is using them, but it does, it reminds you like, no, God has called all of us. You don't have to be that sort of elite, quote unquote, mm-hmm. Christian in order to make a difference for the kingdom. So thanks for reminding me of reminding us of that. Jesse Cruikshank is the author of Ordinary Discipleship, How God Wires Us for the Adventure of Transformation. It's a book that is out this week, so be sure to grab a copy. Jesse, who'd you write this for? Mm. Like, who's your audience in mind, and what do you hope they get from the book? So two people I had in mind. One of them was my dad. Mm. Mm. And my dad is an amazing human, and he's my hero in a lot of ways. He's a mountain climber and a high school science teacher with a PhD, but even though he's mentored a lot of people, he doesn't see himself as religious. Hmm. He doesn't see himself as a disciple maker, hmm. even though he has been for a long time. Wow. And I wanted him to read this and go, oh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Wow. And feel like he didn't have to be somebody different than who he was. Hmm. So there's those stories of my dad in there. Sorry. No, it's no, powerful, Jesse. Um, and then the other person that I wanted to write it for was I go to a church that's very blue collar in Denver and there are people in that church that are beautiful human beings but if they were in a different church they may not be identified as like leadership material I mean mm-hmm. one of them is a, a a man who chooses to be homeless mm. and he, every week he's giving sermons and preaching and he is he's an evangelist yeah. to the homeless population I wanted I wanted them to read this book and go feel equipped feel seen yeah and feel empowered that's yeah. great so there, that's who I had in mind. Chooses to be homeless. That's There's a story there, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, wow. So a similar question, <clears throat> excuse me, 
Uh, after these people read the book, what do you hope they say to you? What, what, if they say this to you, you're like, they got it. I, I got, they got it. Oh my gosh. I, I hope they feel like it helped them do it better. Hmm. Hmm, that's good. That's really good. Jesse, in your own life, I mean, how do you feel like God, I mean, I feel like the books we write are born from something that God has done in us. What's your discipleship journey been like? Like, how have you gotten to the place where you're like, no, I want to empower ordinary disciples of Jesus? The wilderness ministry came out of this family that planted churches in, um, in a town in Wyoming. And it was just kind of assumed that we were on adventure together. Hmm. Um, and they, because it was family, they invited you into the family dynamic and I didn't know how ridiculously amazing this was until I moved and was working in religion in denominational ministry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they, oh, you mean other pastors don't have people in their house all the time? Or, you know, or questions about how do we live in community with one another? So uh, in order to give you an idea of how amazing this, this disciple-making community is where people take responsibility for discipling mm-hmm. one another and it's just... It's just a natural way of living. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a party and like, or you just have like lunch and 40 to 50 people show up. Like I didn't, I've seen food multiply so many times. It's not even, <laughs> like it's not, even, like, a it's not even a miracle. Not I even see it all the time. Miracle. Yeah. So I said to my, I said to my brother who we built the um, wilderness ministry, I said, bro, how many people, cause we don't like, you don't let really lock doors in places that are small towns. Um, I'm like, how many people? walk could walk into your house make a cup of coffee on your nespresso you know fancy coffee Mm -hmm. machine and leave and you're not home and they know they could like they know that that yeah permission he's like oh i don't know maybe 200 (laughs) (laughs) and he's not exaggerating right that's like like, that's how many people have that much permission in your life wow and know they do yeah and so that's that's what birthed these things is just being saturated in a place like that that. that's great love that uh jesse where can people find out more about the book where can they follow you online? Maybe see your next wilderness adventure, wherever it is that you're going. Uh, but, where can people connect with you? Yeah, I went to Antarctica in December, which was amazing. Didn't we all? Um, <laughs> with my dad. Um, but um, OrdinaryDiscipleship.com is the website for the book. And then you can follow me on social media at Your Brain by Jess, which is my Twitter and Instagram. And then my my ministry is Whoology. So that's W-H-O-O-L-O-G-Y dot C-O. And you can link to those from sure. you, you enter anywhere in that ecosystem. And yeah, you'll, and you'll we'll be, be sure to, to post all yeah. of that. OrdinaryDiscipleship.com is the book. Ordinary Discipleship, How God Wires Us for the Adventure of Transformation. Grab a copy today. Jesse Crookshank, thanks so much for being here with us. It's good to be here. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We are thrilled to be joined by Paul A.C. He's a writer, an author, and a movie reviewer with Plugged In at PluggedIn.com, which is focused on the family's website where they uh, review movies, kind of let families know what to think, what themes to expect. And we're so excited because we brought Paul on to talk about a brand new release, The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which I saw last night. And behind the scenes, we'll pull the curtain back. I told our producer, Laura Finch, like, please do not book Paul until after I have watched this movie. So I saw it last night. Listeners, there may be spoilers. Yeah. I don't know, but I we're just going to warn you. I have not seen it, but I'm, I'm good. You spoil away. Yeah, 
Ra- away. Ryan's fine. He won't he won't get his feelings hurt if we spoil it. So, um, Paul, give us a give us a rundown about you, who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into the movie. Yeah, I spend a lot of time reviewing movies. I see tons and tons of movies. Uh, I've been doing this for way too many years, honestly. <laughs> uh, it's a crazy job to, uh, to, to, to watch movies and really talk about, uh, you know, a lot of the problems that, that, that some of these movies might have for families. But we talk about the good stuff, too. And one of the things that I love to do when I'm watching one of these movies is look for spirituality. You know what I would call mm. God's fingerprints in these movies? Yeah. And because, you know, I, I think that we can find those fingerprints in some unexpected places. And, and again, no spoiler warning here, but uh, but there are some some elements within this very movie that we're talking about this morning that, uh, that were surprisingly spiritual. There were so many again we're talking with Paul AC about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 I thought there were so many spiritual longings and uh, thoughts theology in the movie so why don't you start unpacking some of that for our listeners you bet. So the, so the main uh, thrust of the movie, really, it's, it's really about Rocket Raccoon, uh, right? So those who are not familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy, Rocket is this superhero, but he's also a raccoon. He is this product of some experimentation, and he's part of this team called Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we find a lot about his backstory here. We find out how he came to be. Uh, and all of his friends, all the Guardians, uh, they are sort of on a quest to save his life. Something terrible happens to him at the very beginning of the movie. He is almost on the brink of death. Uh, but But it turns out that if they give him any medical attention – that might kill him too because whoever sort of made him uh, put a kill switch in. So mm. if they tamper with him too much, he'll die too. So they go on this big quest to see if they can work around the kill switch. Um, and that's sort of where some of these spiritual tangents begin. The, the This is kind of a spoiler warning. So be <laughs> warned. Uh, yes. <laughs> he is the product of a guy named the High Evolutionary. Uh, he created not only him, but he's been experimenting on a whole bunch of life forms to quote unquote perfect it. He is looking to perfect creation. Uh, and, and so he is this product. Uh, but what really mystifies him is that Rocket seems to have gone beyond the way this guy designed him. He has special things in his thought process, in his thinking, in his feeling that go well beyond what he intended. Uh, and there's a beautiful line, uh, actually, as, as Rocket talks with somebody who essentially says, yeah, there, there were the hands that made mm. But there were the hands behind the hands that designed you. I loved that part. And mm. I loved that part. It was beautiful and really surprisingly spiritual for, you know, a superhero movie. Yeah. Who would have figured? What ages is this good for? People might be listening and yeah, going, oh, should I take my 11-year-old to this, my 15-year-old to this? I know it plugged in. You guys do a lot of that, helping parents decipher. So what would you suggest for Guardians of the Galaxy? It's a really tough call. This movie is a very fun, good superhero movie. Uh, But 
it has some huge problems in it. It has some swearing that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Obviously, it has all the violence that you kind of expect in in superhero movies, but it gets goopy and yucky and kind of uh, gross. And the other thing uh, that, that I would really, really caution parents about is that the movie can be really difficult to watch. There are some hard, harrowing, difficult scenes in this. So, so kids who are really sensitive, especially if they are animal lovers, it's just a hard movie to watch. So I would, it always sort of depends on the kid. It depends on, on the, the, the sensitivities of the family. But honestly, if, if you have a 10-year-old who's clamoring to see that, I would think long and hard about taking them to see this. This is, this is really a movie, I think, for, for younger teens, for older teens. Uh, be yeah. sure to, to, you know, this is going to sound like a, like a shameless plug, but read our review at yeah. PluggedIn.com because I think that will impact a lot of the issues that, that might or might not be an issue for your particular family. Yeah, again, if you go to PluggedIn.com, you can just search their movie review for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And you do a great uh, breakdown of some of the the positive elements, the negative elements, and, yeah, violent content, profanity, other things. There, there is, I mean, I will, I will say, and we don't have to talk about this for a long time, but I recently lost someone very close to me. And so it hit a lot of heartstrings. For me, mm-hmm. and it was a it is a heavy thematic mm. uh, movie, especially for the superhero genre. Speaking of that, Paul, you wrote a book on the spirituality of Batman, and I would love for you to kind of take a minute or so just to talk about spirituality in some of these in some of these superhero movies, and maybe let our listeners know where they can find your book. You bet. You bet. You know, superhero movies are so strange in a way because we we think of them as as just sort of like these throwaway popcorn munchers, right? We Mm -hmm. we go there to have a good time. But when you're talking about these often super-powered people, there's a lot of really spiritual message that sort of weave their way into a lot of these stories. Uh, Oftentimes they're talking about uh, you can find a lot of – savior-like attributes in these characters, right? But as we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe lately, especially after Endgame, some of that spirituality can really be uh, murky and weird. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about Doctor Strange in the universe of the multiverse of madness that had some really uh, weird spiritual elements that I think a lot of families would be sort of shying away from. The Elementals is another Marvel movie that really leaned into the idea of these sort of godlike beings. Um, so it can really cut both ways. Mm. Uh, but but when I think about a movie like like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, when I think about a lot of them, uh, it, it, you know, I'm a big Batman fan. Mm-hmm. You can see elements of our own story as Christians within these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I love about Batman is that he's a lot like us, right? He's broken. He clearly has some issues. <laughs> yes. You don't dress up as, as a bat just, just for fun, you know? And, and there, he has some problems, and yet he goes out night after night 
trying to do the best he can for a higher calling, trying to make the world a slightly better place. Uh, and that, I think, is what we as Christians are also trying to do. Mm-hmm. We're fallen. We're, we fail. We're not superpowered, but we do the best we can every day. And when we fall down, we pick ourselves up and try again. Amen. And that's what kind of the Christian walk is all about. Oh, amen. I love that. Paul Acey is a writer, author, and movie reviewer with Plugged In. You can find his work at PluggedIn.com. Paul, can people find and follow you on social media anywhere? They can. I am at AC Paul on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook as well. Feel free to to. I don't. I'm not very good at social media because <laughs> you got movies to watch. <laughs> you don't have time. You're at the movie theater. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And of course, you can find all my writing over at, at pluggedin.com. All right, uh, Paul. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Hey, thanks so much. Well, we hope you have an incredible evening ahead of you. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from four to six p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.